Hello, friends. Welcome back to another episode of the Vibe with Kai podcast. I'm your host, Kai, bringing humor, authenticity, and powerful conversations your way. Today, we're diving deep into a topic we often shy away from, but it has a profound impact on our mental health, and that thing is grief. Joining us today is Andrea Santiago, a seasoned clinical director and licensed clinician at Gemstone Wellness in Chicago, a place that I've never been, but I need to make it there because I've been to every major city except for that one. Uh, <laughs> with, uh, with Andrea's vast experience and eclectic therapeutic approaches, Andrea has championed the cause of grief therapy, and I'm thrilled to have her on today. Andrea is a bilingual therapist who believes in the transformational power of the therapeutic relationship. Drawing from a myriad of therapeutic techniques, she aids those struggling with challenges like depression, anxiety, and most relevant to our discussion today, grief and loss. Andrea, hi. Did you like that hi. intro? <laughs> that intro, man. Like I have I to say, you you really like. I've never felt like I sounded cool before, but you now got I feel a, like I sound cool. <laughs> you got a lot to live up to now. Like no pressure. <laughs> I, I set I set it up, and now you got to knock it home. You know, there you like go. my there you go. like my Philadelphia Phillies, which are not on the TV directly to my right right now. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh oh my god no. we're gonna be talking about like if, if something happens like god forbid <laughs> we'll be talking about grief and loss afterwards no, I, I literally i literally ha i was for those of you obviously you guys were not part of this pr the previous conversation before i hit record well, actually no we actually did record it um but <laughs> i just realized that um but the, right now we're recording this on uh, a day where the philadelphia phillies are currently uh, playing game two of their wild card series against the miami marlins and I am a huge Philadelphia Phillies fan because I live right outside of Philadelphia. And I'm going to make sure my guest has the full attention <laughs> of the host because we're talking about a very serious topic today, uh, which is death and grief. So let's let's dive dive into this uh, today. Uh, you are, deal with this a, a lot. You have you help people deal with death and grief and loss and all of that. Why does that hold such a significance to you and your life? Why why specialize in that? Oh, this is such a good question, actually. I know I'm such a good host, aren't I? <laughs> I'm, it's like I it's like I put some thought and in, thought into this. Like just just <laughs> maybe just like did a teeny bit of a little like, bit of research. Yeah. Well, What's your name again? What's your name? I uh, forgot. Oh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> so why so why grief and loss? Why 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 choose that and not like I don't know like ADHD or something. <laughs> Although ironically I do have ADHD so I oh, personally have to navigate those waters. Um <laughs> so I totally understand that. But um yeah I think you know, grief and loss, we don't talk about it enough as a society at all. We don't talk mm -hmm. about death. And in fact, we, when, when someone passes away, it's this huge thing. We mm -hmm. send our condolences and then we quickly get to something else and we don't want to talk about it. And then if it's brought up in conversations, usually it's like, oh, well, let's not talk about it. Let's not bring the mood down. Let's not bring the vibe down. Right, That's usually right. the biggest thing. Um, and what I realized is that as someone who really appreciates, you know, like just the life experience and different changes that go on we need to also honor the fact that death is a natural course of mm -hmm. like our life experience and i think by not talking about it enough by not having the availability or space to be able to process that i feel like we're doing a disservice we're we're, we're carrying around then this 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 burden of sadness and not really fully parsing through 
the loss that we encountered. Um, And so for me, I always felt this personal pull to just to kind of actually, when I was going through grad school, I almost had an idea of like, Ooh, maybe I want to work as like, and do an end of life therapist. And I would just be someone who would just be in that final transition. I remember having that passion always. And then, um, you know, life kind of like spun me over to here, but this is where I get to put that factor in where I get to offer those services and those resources, because I think it's so important. Why do you think, it is such a vibe killer. I mean, like, like it is an important thing that everybody has to deal with. Everybody goes through and, and all of that. Why? I, I know this seems like it, it could be a, a simple question to answer, but I think it goes a lot deeper than what a, like a basic answer to this would be. Why is it such a vibe killer to talk about death? Mm-hmm. You know, I think it's interesting, right? I think because when we talk about death, it, we remember the pain, the loss, hurt. It, it's it's very real. And the thing about death is that even though someone has passed away, they could pass away a year ago, 10 years ago, 20 years ago, you will still re- remember that pain actively as if it's happening right then and there. And I think that's why people stray away from it. They don't want to talk about that. They don't want to feel sad in the moment. They don't want to miss that person. And in fact, it's so interesting that we do that because what we're doing is we're actually avoiding a key piece of being a human and actually Mm. being able to feel that pain. We actually must feel that pain when we're undergoing through grief and when we're experiencing that loss, because I think what it is, is that we love people so much to know that they're not around or not near us in any way it's so painful and it's so that much distinct when we talk about it. So we just avoid talking about it altogether. I mean, yeah, it's crazy how we do that. There's a, uh, a TV show that I, that I love. Uh, It just ended not too long ago, but it's called succession, right? I'm a, I'm a big fan of it. And Mm. in, in the show, and like, I don't want to ruin it for people that, uh, that are still in the process of watching it, but there's a, there's one point that one of the characters pass away. Right. And, during the uh during the lead up to the person's funeral the, one of the other characters is being approached about you know how they're coping with this death right of this significant person in their life and one of the things that the character was saying and i want to get your insight on this to see if it's actually a thing it can come it came off as a joke but i think i think it might be a thing that people actually do he said that he after the person passed away Somebody had asked him, are you okay? And he said, yeah, I'm doing fine because I pre-grieved. I pre-grieved that person's death. Have you ever heard of something like that before? Like pre-grieving, like you figured, okay, this person's going to pass away soon. If not like one day, if not soon, I'm pre-grieving their death. Is that a thing? Is that actually possible? Yeah. So it's so interesting that you say that. And that's such an excellent example. Actually, yes. Um, and it's not to say that they pre-grieve that like when the death happens, they're like, oh, okay, I'm completely like perfectly normal because I already mm-hmm. grieved it. It's not so much that they're still grieving, but it happens a lot, especially with those with terminal illnesses, um, mm-hmm. those that are in hospice or whatnot, family members that are around them are constantly watching them decay and and get mm-hmm. into like and and actually see them wither down to their final death. So in that whole process, or even those that's one example but another one is also those who have dementia um mm. family members around them they're seeing their loved one no longer be their loved one or forget who they are and so they begin this process of grieving because 
the person that was there is no longer there. Same thing with terminal illness. The person who was the strong hero that you'd known may not be looking that way anymore at this point. And so you begin to start that grieving process there to the point where then actually, and this is not to, not to like uncommon that when it actually happens, there's actually relief and not relief because you wanted it to happen, not relief because you're happy it's happened, but relief that that person who was going through those things is no longer suffering. Mm. And that's where you had been grieving the whole time because all you wanted was them to not feel pain anymore. Right, right, right. That's, it's really interesting that that was even a, a thing. And and I was, you and I were talking the other day and, and I told you about this and I want to pass this on to the people that are watching or listening right now. I, I recently did a, a partnership with a, a, a wonderful group um, called the NFDA, which is the National Funeral, Funeral Directors Association. And I partnered up with them because they have these really interesting cards um, for, called uh, Remembering a Life. Uh, have the talk of a lifetime. And in, on these cards, it's 50 questions that will help you learn more about your loved ones. So uh, like in the picture, it's, it shows like a, a grandfather, like teaching, like his, I'm going to assume his grandson, how to throw baseball and stuff like that. Um, and there are 50 cards with 50 questions. And it says, learn more about your loved ones by having a talk of a lifetime at your uh, family, next family gathering. And some of the questions include, um, uh, what is something very few people know about you? What hobby or activity makes you lose track of time? Uh, did you have a mentor or someone who was influential in guiding your career? Like these questions that you can ask somebody, um, I don't want to say pre-grieving, but just kind of like, I want to get to know you before it's too late. What are you, what do you think of stuff like that? Like things that kind of like break the ice and have these conversations. Do you feel it's important to have these types of conversations before a person passes away? Absolutely. I love this. I love that there's these cards that are available that you can kind of go through different prompts because so many of the time we avoid death so much in our culture that we don't know, wait, how does my family member want to be like buried or, or do they yeah. want to be cremated or do they want to, you know, how do they want to like, do they want me to like resuscitate them or not resuscitate them do yeah. they want to sell their old house or not sell the old you know just all these different things it could be and having the ability to have these conversations early allows it so that when you get to that point you know exactly what that person wants and their mm. desires and their last will and testament and their wishes and you could truly step into memorializing grief in that point mm. it's really memorializing who they are you're still grieving grief is an ongoing process but it there's a peace knowing that you were able to memorialize them the way that they wanted mm. and so being able to do that early on now is so essential being able to talk about hey where is the will right. i don't know where your will would be like right. is it online is it digital is it like hidden in a safe somewhere in your room right. i don't know you know <laughs> Is Anything. it on your TikTok? Did you put in a right, TikTok right. playlist? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 really it's really interesting because like uh, when I partnered up with this with this uh, organization, like I never would have thought anything like this, but I see the importance behind it. And on top of that, like I, I want to ask you just from a personal basis, like for you personally, when you have to deal with the passing of somebody that's close to you, like what what is something that you struggle with? that like if a client comes in of yours and says i'm struggling with this you're like ah like i i know that feeling all too well if you don't mind like telling something that you like have to remind yourself if you if somebody near, close to you passes away yeah no no um definitely i think 
it's so interesting. So um, one of the closest things I, I guess I can speak to is, I mean, my father passed away when I was 18. Um, mm -hmm. And so I was 18. It was, it was shortly after my birthday. And I feel like I was a senior in high school and it just didn't feel real to me. I, I felt mm. like I was in denial about it. Um, I didn't actually engage in crying about it or anything for a while. It took me months for me to kind of experience that this happened. Uh, yeah. It just, it, it, and so in doing that, so some clients will come in and they'll tell me, you know, I'm fine. I'm totally okay. I'm totally, really <laughs> fine. Like, and, and, and I'm just sitting there like, Oh man, I yeah. know exactly what you are doing. Right, and right. Like, and all I can do is be like, okay, so mm -hmm. like, how is your family? And once I get into talking about how is your family, that's like the yeah. backdoor entrance. And then right, suddenly right. it's like, oh my gosh. And then I've been feeling like I've had to hold it together for everyone else. And that was exactly what I thought at the time. I felt like yeah. I had to hold it together for everybody else that was there. Um, and so that's kind of where like when I see that sometimes with a mm -hmm. client, I'm like, oh, I know what you're mm -hmm. doing. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny that you, that you mentioned, well, it's not funny, but it's, it's interesting <laughs> that you mentioned, uh, you know, how you were sitting there for like months and stuff like that. And that, that actually leads right into one of my next questions Ooh. is there's a notion of a quote timeline for green for grieving. And I don't know. I don't know. I feel like every, it's different for everybody, but can you speak a little bit to that? Is there a timeline for grieving? It's so interesting. A timeline, like, Yes and no. I guess it, mm -hmm. it depends on like how you're defining it. If it's like, oh my gosh, the, the loss was so fresh and I'm going to feel that every day for years on end. Right. Not necessarily. What happens is that our grief continues to be something we carry. It's kind of like this stone that like sits on us. And initially yeah. we're like right around it. We're on top of the stone. We're really in it. And then mm -hmm. we start going along the years, growing a little bit more around it. So the stone is still there, but we're like maybe a little bit bigger. So we mm. still have relation to that grief. So the grief never goes away, but it's not as fresh, if you will. And also, I guess this timeline thing is so interesting because if you love someone and you lose them, there's no such thing as I'm just going to get over that. Yeah, like, I'm never yeah. going to get over the loss of somebody. They're going to live with me forever. So long as I can recall the memory, so long as I can think about all the places we went to and I can smile at the jokes that they made or the little annoyances they had or whatever it may be, they are forever with me. I still remember them and they're still alive. So that mm -hmm. grieving process may not be like fresh when like it generally happens, but as you go on, you're still grieving yeah. them. Because as long as you've loved them, you're also going to grieve them. And that's right. going to be great. So like, and so for those for those of you that are listening that that don't know this, I, I want to bring up another part of this conversation that uh, that I also don't think it gets talked about enough in regards to the connection to grief, grief and and loss and all that. So I have obviously ADHD, uh, severe anxiety, uh, generalized anxiety disorder, all the fun stuff, <laughs> right? How how do those types of mental you know challenges play into the grieving progress a process like how much do those things play into how a person can cope with the passing of somebody mm, yeah that's a great question i think you know it's so interesting right when we talk about adhd we talk about how there's just kind of like this like lazy susan of things that are going by mm. different thoughts we're latching on to yeah 
I think when it comes to grief, right, grief will either break the lazy Susan and that mm-hmm. you're like so hyper focused on one thing, which is mm-hmm. or it will make the lazy Susan go faster so that mm-hmm. you can think of all these other things and avoid the grief part in the lazy right. Susan. And yeah. so that's usually how it tends to play out. Like, I'm not saying that that's always how it plays out, but that can play out. I think there is also a point where when the death is so hard to accept, there's an avoidance factor that can happen yeah. there. You know, yeah. we don't want to think about it, you know, or the anxiety is too great. As someone, if, if you're someone who's hyper anxious and, and then, you know, it's, it's, it, it might actually cause us to try to avoid it, suppress it, stuff it mm. down, not think about it, try right. to move on. That's mm. what I hate when people use move on from mm-hmm. a death. It's like, right. Okay. I'm going to move right. on from grandma passing. I don't. Yeah. Think so. Sorry. Well, sorry. <laughs> like, I don't know about that. Right. Right. I'll move on from the failed test, but not grandma. Passing. Right. Right. You know, it's, you know, you want to know something really funny that yeah. you, you mentioned a lazy, this is so sidetracked. This is the ADHD in me coming out because you mentioned Perfect. Si- lazy, uh, Susan la- la- lazy Susan and I'm just like checked out. Um, The reason I checked out, I just learned what a lazy Susan was, no lie, like late last year. What? How? I don't know what, well, I don't know. We didn't have that in the hood. <laughs> I mean, we did, we did, we did. I was just making a joke, but like, but like, we don't, I don't know. I just, I never knew that that's what it was called. The lazy, lazy Susan. You know what? Yeah. I mean, I heard it. I have one. I have a lazy Susan. Susan's in my kitchen right now. There you go. <laughs> you have one she's, in there. I have. I Susan is in there. Nice. And she's just she's spinning around. She's spinning around. <laughs> she's just lazily yeah. spinning around. She's lazy. Lazy. Yeah, she's very. She's very lazy. Actually, she's not lazy. She has ADHD. She's struggling. She's trying. Andrea. <laughs> okay, she's trying her best. <laughs> so, um, so we need to be a little bit better than yeah. calling it a lazy Susan. Then she's yeah. just ADHD Susan. Got yeah, it. Exactly. Give cut yeah. cut Susan a break here. She's had it rough. Um, <laughs> so. You and I are, are both uh, uh, people of color, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, I'm always like careful how I phrase this because I don't want people to like to take it the wrong way. But I do truly believe that you know people in the uh, like a Latina Latino community, Black community, various other groups like that have it different sometimes when it comes to their mental health and the grieving process and all that you get the opportunity to speak with people of all different types you know um, especially being a bilingual um, mental health professional um, what is the difference do you see any difference with how certain like does does the play the community that a person comes from the the religion the the race the the culture that a person comes from how much does that play into the grieving process from your perspective yeah absolutely it plays a huge factor especially because of the different types of rituals that each mm-hmm. culture follows or death rituals that are followed there um so like for example in mexican culture i mean dia de los muertos that's a big one where i mean we're celebrating the dead and so you know death culture in 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 there could look completely different as opposed to like Mm -hmm. you know american going to the funeral home and whatnot and that's the other thing too all these different cultures have different like funeral rituals that they encompass some of them 
they don't have the body go to a funeral home. They have it in the home. They clean the body. There's a whole ritual there. They make a mm -hmm. vigil and they're fine, you know? So I think when it comes to like black and Latino cultures, it's so different how like even those death rituals are approached. Now there's also the factor too of the stigma of like mm. mental health or look or feeling depressed or being down. And I mm -hmm. think that also has something to play in there where some, especially you know, for Latino males or black men mm, or just like yes. the male in general, it, you don't show those emotions. Like, you know what? Yep. You stifle it. If you have a lone tear, that is the most emotion you've got going down. Oh, and that's yeah. about it. You don't, oh, yeah. you don't show anything more than that. So then right. here they are going to these funerals and like, you're not yeah. able to express yourself at all. And that could be mm -hmm. really conflicting, especially when you're undergoing grief. Mm -hmm. It's funny you say that because I remember watching my dad when um when my grandmother passed his mom and she passed away on christmas day uh this was 1995 i want to say and i'll never forget this day not because it was christmas but because i remember waking up christmas morning and my dad wasn't home and like we usually like in my family we usually open up presents christmas morning right <laughs> I remember waking, I remember going to sleep, super excited. I could barely, like, barely sleep because I knew when I woke up, it's time to open presents. Wake up, <clears throat> go downstairs. My dad's not home. And uh, my mom's like, okay, look, we're just going to wait for a little bit, you know, until dad gets. I'm like, where is, where is he? he? Finally comes home. Um, I would have never known, right? He comes in. He, he also has another like present in his hand. Gives it to me. We open presents. We just go through like it's normal. I didn't find out until later that my grandmother had passed away, his mother, and he was not home because he was taking care of that situation with his, uh, wow. with his mother. And I would have never known. And I found it really interesting that my dad, I don't know, I don't want to say put on a face or, or mask or anything, but like, mm -hmm. I, I didn't see any type of emotion. I knew something was off, but like, yeah. it was very, like, it was very like, masked in a way and i i was i was younger obviously i was eight years old but like i i look back at that now and i'm like my dad was really really sad because it was a couple hours before that that his like his mom passed away yeah. suddenly and i still feel awful because that was the year that i believe the, the first playstation came out i think it was 95 oh, and wow, yeah that was what was in the box. And so I remember being so excited to like open up and I was playing PlayStation, blah, blah. And like, I look back at it now and my dad was like, just sitting back watching and watching me play this thing. And I didn't think much of it until like fairly recently when I'm like, my dad was in his feels and he was holding it in. I'm going to assume for my sake. And I think that's something that happens a lot for, I, I can speak on like on the side of black men that like, that's what, we do it's how we were raised that's how we you know grow up that's how we, we we suppressed a lot or we hold it in because we don't want other people to see that sometimes um for latino women what is that what is that like what do you what, what have you seen in your experience both personally and you know talking to people and all that how do latino women handle the situation usually oh oh my gosh i feel like there's so much guilt and shame that mm. I'm usually working through with um, uh, a lot of like I mean 
most people who come into grief counseling have this sense of, well, if I did this, maybe they would have been alive kind of thing. Mm. But what I find, at least in my experience, and especially within the Latina culture, is that that is really, really prevalent, really mm. prevalent there. Um, and 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 it's it's hard, I think, for for them to let go and and feel like this was not my fault. Like I mm. didn't have some impact. And that is something that I think is really hard, just taking on that burden, that emotional labor that I think is already assumed by Latino like females, mm-hmm. but like just being able to try to parse through that and then feeling like, you know, it's your fault. That is something right. that is very, very difficult to work through. Um, and I think just, you know, I think being able to cry and shed tears and stuff like that. Some women find that they don't, they can't do that after the funeral. Like mm. oh, the funeral's done. Um, it's been like a month. So I need to not do that. And they may not mm-hmm. even share with their husbands or mm. their partners. And uh, so no one knows. And they're just si- like silently suffering. Yeah. And I think that's yeah. almost similar to like what you had mentioned, kind of similar to how maybe your dad might've felt like just mm-hmm. sitting in silence with it and just holding it in for fear of letting it out and are also just being so ashamed of it and mm-hmm. because it was my fault so I can't let anybody see that yeah yeah I'm gonna I'm gonna be even more vulnerable with with you right now and with everybody that's watching and listening um you know as uh, us talking about this right now especially just now with you know my dad I, I'm gonna I, I'm gonna call him after this and just say hey, I love you I, I I I need to, you know, yeah. like I, as I was telling, I was I was telling the story. I was like, I need, I I should call my dad. Yeah. I should call my dad, and like, so, thank you. By the way, like, <laughs> like yeah. you, you, you know, you're probably like, what did I do? But like, no, no, like, no, no. Like, thank you. Like, I think I'm gonna I'm gonna call him when when we're done here and just be like, hey, dad, love you. You don't have to say anything, but I love you. Um, yeah. what about so what about children, right? Um. Yeah how how can uh, so a lot of my audience are are, are women right are, are people that identify as women people that identify as female i should say uh or are female presenting and a lot of them are moms to mm-hmm. young children how can moms help their children deal with grief deal with a loss you know mm-hmm. especially like especially preteens young teenagers especially like how how can moms help their children yeah no that's a great great question and it's so interesting I think a lot of times we try to protect kids from grief we try to Mm -hmm. protect them from the loss or we'll say things like they had to go away or they're like they're in heaven Mm -hmm. now or they went to sleep for a long time which is absolutely terrible please don't ever say that to your child (laughs) please do not um they -hmm. will fear going to bed and you'll have a lot of other issues but but yeah, no, it's, yeah. it's 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 so hard to navigate that because, you know, I think children, especially, they're so much more in their emotion, you know, they're in their feelings of everything. Everything really is like the end of the world or like all mm-hmm. or nothing kind of thing. Um, right. Uh, and of course, what I think what makes it important then as a parent when a loss has happened or like a death of a loved one is being upfront and honest and and as hard as that may be just being able to sit down with them and say okay we need to talk about so and so so and so last night whatever mm-hmm. passed away 
you know, right. and kind of put that there. And, and also having the parents be able to listen, you know, yeah. allowing the kids to be like, like, like be like, how are you feeling? How are we doing with this? And checking in with them regularly about mm. that. You know? checking mm -hmm. in, like, it's not just a one conversation and you're done. It's checking in with them like throughout the week, checking in with them monthly, checking in with them like until it gets to a point where they're able to express their feelings and allowing them to have that expression of feelings. Um, yeah. Sometimes did, kids might right away be like, no, I don't want to do it. Like, yeah. I'm just not gonna face this. And then later on, they may face it. Sometimes they it hits them hard yeah. right away. Just giving that them that the, It's funny. You and I are always on the same page. That's why you're the, the best. Because I, that was like yeah. legit what I was going to follow up with as you were talking. Because it, it, it sparked my brain that like sometimes, because if, if kids today are anything like me when I was younger, sometimes I didn't open up like that because I... Yeah like honestly I didn't know how to feel you know so like people would ask me hey how do you feel and I just would be like I'm fine but really I I, I don't I don't know how I felt you know if if a parent gets that sense how much should they if they should at all push for them to open up like how how much should they push for that yeah so I mean you never want to force yeah. Anyone to go somewhere where they're not ready to go. You never want to force mm -hmm. a kid to do that. And also, I think because, you know, they may not have the vocabulary, as you said, of mm -hmm. well, how do I feel about this, that this person is gone? Like, what does this mean for me? It may need some time for them to interpret that. Mm -hmm. But being able to just check in and say, hey, you know, I, I just want to check in. I'm here for you whenever you're ready to open up about this. I'm here. Mm -hmm. And also, maybe this is a little bit on the braver side for parents, mm -hmm. but normalizing that you're grieving too. Like, mm. you know, normalizing that, okay, this happened and I'm sad. Mom's That's sad. That's a great point. Dad's That's sad. a great point. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm, I'm sad and it's okay that I'm sad about this. And, yeah. you know, if you're not ready to talk about that, that's okay, but I feel sad. And, you know, if we both feel sad, that's okay. We're feeling sad right now together, you know, and being able yeah. to just share that is important. That's a great point. And at what point do you feel that a parent should put their kid, like maybe introduce them to therapy, you know, to potentially, you know, address this some more, you know, especially if they see that, you know, after a death, the the kid is, it's affecting their, you know, their schoolwork or their mood or what, whatever it may be. At what point should a parent be like, okay, I'm going to maybe consider sending him to speak with a professional? Yeah, I think when there's, I mean, there's always usually evidence of like behavioral issues that usually mm -hmm. occur. Maybe they're not talking about the grief, but then they're going in like they're hitting kids in the classroom or something like that, mm -hmm. or yeah, they're, yeah. or they're like throwing things or having anger fits or something mm -hmm. more than way more than normal and whatnot, or or they're crying all the time, or they're just maybe they're just removed. They're just removed yeah. from everything. They're not even involving themselves in anything. They're just numb to it. That's those are usually some signs where therapy could be really helpful for them to right. go and talk through this process. And there's so many expert grief therapists out there. There's expert grief play therapists as well. So if you don't have the actual language to be able to verbalize mm -hmm. it, they guide clients through, especially children clients through the act of play and expression yeah. of their like emotions in that way. And so yeah. I think, you know, if parents are feeling like, you know, they're not really opening up to me, but there's all these other behavioral issues that mm -hmm. might be indicative that they're struggling with this, sure. I would 100% go ahead and do that. Or even from the get, if that feels something comforting to you, the minute it happens, maybe being like, you know, maybe as a family, we're all going to do our own mm -hmm. therapy and putting them in there.
Yeah, I want to I want to jump from children to immigration because I know that's something that means a lot to you and 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 I think that's amazing. And so and I want to highlight for immigrants that come to this country, obviously they are human. They have to deal with mental health. They have to deal with loss as well. Um from the people that you speak with, is it more difficult for, you know, immigrants to to handle this in like in, in a new country in a new world for them like how how do they go about their grieving process in a new world yeah you know literally as you were speaking my one client just flashed into my mind um mm-hmm. just automatically as he has had this experience um where he's had multiple losses um mm-hmm. of like his family members lost his brother his his father uh, and it's and because of that and being someone who has come over to here uh he has to be the he has to step up suddenly he is now the main male figure of the household for his brothers and sisters and his mom and so grieving wasn't really allowed he had to step into crisis mode and get into doing that and make sure everyone's okay and then also depending like he um immigrated into this country when he was younger um so but there's also people who maybe they can't go ahead and have a funeral mm-hmm. or anything else and stuff like that they can't be too public about things and, and mm-hmm. so it's like a quiet grieving if they do have it or a quiet funeral or ceremony um and then also yeah the fact that okay so that happens and then well you need to run your household because we are not like you know we just came into this new country we need to figure out like how to just survive here yeah. so that's a big one also on top of that too i think just being in a new country and not having your traditions and your rituals that you're used to for doing your ritual for funerals is super hard. Mm-hmm. Having to conform to whatever is here and is available may not be something that you follow. If you're someone who uh, migrated here and you have a strong religious mm-hmm. uh, affiliation, especially with rituals and funerals, it's so hard then to be able to do those things if they're not available. Right, right. What, what would you say to people in general no matter where they're from, who they are, that are hesitant about grief therapy. Mm. What what would you what would you say to them to to encourage them to take action? You know, for those that like struggle with like kind of embracing grief therapy, I think it's it's understandable because it's it's it takes a leap of faith to be able to mm. press into these things, to be able to talk about the hurt, the pain, to be vulnerable. I mean, Mm -hmm. that's not easy for anyone. And then to do that with something so profoundly deep and impactful to your life, it's hard. But being able to go ahead and be in a therapy setting, we we learn to kind of create the space where you're safe to talk about that, Mm -hmm. where there's no judgment, there's no rejection, nothing. It's just, tell me everything. I want to learn about your world. I want to learn about where the connection you had with the person or the experience. I want to learn more about that. And then really guiding them into healing and Mm -hmm. meaning making. And now meaning making doesn't mean like, oh, this was meant to happen. Not that it's more like we're all living this experience and we're all enduring all these like different things that happen. Like having a loss happen to you in this, you're going to interpret it in some way to mean something for you going forward. And so meaning making is so essential in that and also memorializing like that's one of the things we do we're not going to forget the loss we're not we're going to learn to memorialize this person Mm -hmm. and how we can move forward 
with the memories that we have of this person. And so that's mm-hmm. kind of the work we do in, in, in grief therapy. And so it's, it's really at your pace. I'm never going to like therapists who are grief therapists are never going to force you to go somewhere. You're not ready yeah. to go. It's all what you bring to the table. And so right. I would just encourage to take that leap of faith because it could be honestly the space that you need to really grieve everything through right right and and i i apologize for going way longer than the original time i said so if you have oh, to go <laughs> uh, yeah but like i just I, this is such a fascinating thing and, and it's if it's okay i have a couple more questions is that okay do, that's do you fine to, i didn't even yeah. realize we went over uh, oh, oh my gosh yeah it's been like uh it's been like like 40 minutes oh <laughs> i know but no that's 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 okay because I, I i mean i just i'm just fascinated with all of this so i like there's a couple things i wanted to to ask and and again thank you so much for uh, like being here and answering these questions because i i know that there's people out there that need to hear this or, or didn't know they need to hear it and here they are uh listening right now um i want you if you can to talk about what happens when there is unresolved mm. grief Right. Like, like what happens to a person, what can happen to a person if there is unresolved grief within them? Yeah. Unresolved grief is, is grief is really tricky. Um, especially because, you know, I I've talked so much and we've talked so much in this whole podcast mm-hmm. so far about like the love that you had for this person, but what if mm-hmm. you had a bad relationship with this yeah. person? Yeah. What if this was like, a parent you didn't get along with and then they passed away you know and and suddenly you're in this like now your grief process is not so much on top of the fact that you've lost someone a father uh, that you name it's also now parsing through the anger that you never Mm -hmm. got to express or never got to talk through with that person that can make that so complex. You know, it can make that very complex of saying like, I've had all these things that I've never got to tell them and I'm never going to be able to tell them. So a lot of times, and then that's just one example. There's countless other complex, like Mm -hmm. unresolved grief examples, but that's just one. And a lot of the work then that you would be doing at that point when you're working with someone who's going through that is maybe we need to go ahead and have those, that angry conversation that you never had. All of a sudden we turn the session into you're talking to them. Let's make it happen now. Let's make Mm -hmm. it like have the conversation or have the things Mm -hmm. that you never got to resolve. Let's try to find that resolving now. It's not easy and -hmm. it's still very, very painful and it does take time. But I think it's so essential to be able to do that when it's not done, when we don't resolve this grief, it could really eat us from the inside out. You know, the what ifs, the the shoulda, coulda, would haves, the, but you know what? Like I should feel better than like, mm-hmm. because I didn't have that close a relationship with them anyway, or I shouldn't be so upset or those start coming in and it could really increase a lot of like depressive symptoms, anxiety. Mm-hmm. It can lead just to a spiral of just many different things when you're not able to resolve that grief. And so being able to just discuss that, talk about the yeah. fact that we never had that opportunity or something that even in itself could be so life-changing. So trying to work through that re- resolution of grief is so essential and leaving it unresolved will just, it could be detrimental. Were you reading my notes before the, because I'm not no. going to lie, this, my next question, no lie, says, if someone feels as though they're spiraling, <laughs> <laughs> what sign should they watch out for? That that was literally you read my notes. How did you get on I my computer? I did not. <laughs> How did you get onto my computer? I I need. Are you? Do you work for the CIA? How'd you Actually, know? Actually, so 
I knew I it. lied. I'm I not a therapist. You're a spy. You're a spy. <laughs> I knew it. But like, no, like legit, like, so once you had mentioned people spiraling, you know, for, for, for a variety of reasons, and obviously each uh, t- type of uh, reason for spiraling or things that you might spiral into is, is going to be different. But how does a person know if they are spiraling in general? Like how, what, what things should they look out for? Oh, uh, yeah. So, I mean, you know, you'll know when you're spiraling when it's like, maybe this is the hyper fixated thought that you have is just mm-hmm. about this. Or when you're finding yourself getting a sense of just like anxiety, maybe around yeah. this or, or, or a sense of like, I just want to avoid this or even like, even that just, I don't want to think about it. I don't want to think about it. And being in that position where you're feeling yourself avoid something constantly that is mm-hmm. another form of spiraling or if you are feeling like you know what i can't get out of bed because i yeah. i just don't understand how to go on with my days like mm-hmm. after this like how do i even what's the purpose that mm-hmm. and that's the other thing too when you're having a lot of those existential questions what's the purpose what does it all mean why mm-hmm. are we here it doesn't matter and those kinds of thoughts i think yeah. that's when you can start sensing i think i'm starting to spiral into something here right how do you andrea how do you do it like you have these conversations with people all the time right Mm -hmm. you help people think like thank god you are somebody that has dedicated their life and energy and time into helping people deal with you know death and and grief and loss and all that which is not the sexiest topic in the world (laughs) right to to hear about and to listen to every day for you personally because if i'm not mistaken and you correct me if i'm wrong you are a human being with feelings and emotions am i correct yes um last i checked (laughs) okay all right i just want to make sure i don't know i want to i don't want to be talking to a robot it's the the ai is everywhere so i don't know i don't know i don't know if you exist do you exist i hope so oh that's a really good point right i know know. well actually i know oh my god no that's me mark zuckerberg um so (laughs) (laughs) um how do you personally do it like how do you not allow yourself to get down or if you do how do you manage it when you know you're you are consistently having this kind of topic and conversation in your life do you ever feel a fatigue to that type Um, of conversation at times yes it can Mm -hmm. be it can be i mean because as you mentioned yes i am a human (laughs) and Mm -hmm. i also yeah no i definitely feel that especially because it is so like it is so sad and it is so like so tremendous and you can feel that pain i have i think i remember all of my clients that in all their grief um their grief journeys um but most especially there's one that stands out to me that um i i think i still think about this Mm -hmm. person um all the time and i think you know a lot of a lot of the work that i do it is kind of heavy but also Mm -hmm. at the same time i try to reframe it as wow they're trusting to be vulnerable and open right now and talk to me about their like this pain and this person but then also they're talking to me about this person that I've never met and I get to they get to be alive to me and that is something that I actually remind them that in you talking to me about this I get to have a snippet of the life that mm. was there. And so, mm. and for that, that's such an honor to be yeah. there, to, to have a part of that. And I tell, I actually tell that to my clients. My clients joke with me because they're all like, yeah. oh, are you gonna say it's an honor to be your, like, <laughs> it's an honor to be your therapist? And I'm like, yes, right. it is. 
it is kind of weird there but to be able to open up and to be able to have that and so because I hold on to that yeah I kind of just I feel honored and I I don't take it lightly and Mm -hmm. I it continues to inspire me to be there for those clients and to hold that space for them to allow them to unfold whatever that looks like and Mm -hmm. yeah do you do it does that like help like fill your cup do you do you feel like you learn more about yourself while other people's are other people are talking to you about themselves 100 percent. i think definitely i learned so much about myself and also on top of it i learn especially with like distinct when it comes to like grief Mm -hmm. i learn in learning so much about death i Mm learned so much about how i want to live a true and full and complete life outside Mm -hmm. of that yes yes i love that um so just to kind of wrap up here like again thank you Thank you, thank yeah. you, thank you for your for your insight and knowledge here, because uh, it's really helpful. Um, I want you to address two different people here. Um, so I'm gonna we're gonna start with the first one, and that's other therapists. Um, you've been doing this for a while. You've been doing this for a long time. You have your own practice, which we'll get to in a second. Um, for the therapists and psychologists and professionals out there that are just getting started in this field, uh, specifically dealing with, yeah. Uh, coping mechanisms for loss, death, grief, all of that. What have you learned that you would like to pass on to other therapists that are getting into this field? Oh, yeah, I think, oh my gosh. Uh, Learning that like, just getting into like this field and just getting into this, just learning to bring yourself to the table. I think a mm. lot of times when therapists come out of school, they think, okay, I have to be this perfect, all knowing, have all the answers. If they're telling me about like, you know, this loss in here, I have to have the perfect response back. And well, one in any therapy setting, mm-hmm. regardless of what it is, that's not always going to be the case. And two, most especially in grief and loss, you're not going to get the, oh, like I have the perfect answer for the fact that you have this loss or this death. That's not true. Mm-hmm. It's just not. So learning to sit with being uncomfortable is actually key. And also learning to bring yourself forward and be authentic is super Mm. key. I think there's no way you're going to be able to do great work in any therapeutic relationship without having that genuineness to without being a human in the space. Right, right. And the the second, thank you for that. And and the second are, are the people that are listening right now that, um, maybe going through a a fairly recent loss in their life right now, if they're listening or watching right now and they're trying to cope and manage their feelings and thoughts and all of that right now, what would you say to them? Oh, yeah. Oh, man. If you're listening right now and you're going through something, a loss, a death, an experience that is just so so impactful. I just want to say that, you know, you are not alone in -hmm. this pain. You are not alone in this hurt. And there are ways that we could heal and move forward and memorialize that person and know that we can always carry and love them through everything, no matter what. And we will always have that in our hearts. We will always love those people that we have lost and they will always be forever remembered inside us. And so you're not alone. Take the steps if you need to, to reach out to a therapist, they'd be happy to go ahead and and work with you through this process. And, um, and yeah, just learning that 
love and grief go hand in hand. That's great. That's amazing. Like legit. Thank you so much for for all of this insight here. Uh, I want to I want to introduce people that don't know about your practice, Gemstone Wellness. Uh, can you just briefly talk about your practice, Gemstone? And you know, if people are in your area, are um, I, I'm not sure. I can't I can't remember who you serve. You know, whether it's just the Chicago area or whomever. But can you just talk a little bit about your your um, your practice? Yeah, absolutely. Sorry, sirens are going off in the background. Of oh, course. you're fine. You're <laughs> you're in you're in Chicago. I'm in Philly. It's just it's our soundtrack of life. So you're good. <laughs> yeah, it's just background noise. It's fine. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, we're used to um, it. <laughs> but yeah, speaking of Gemstone Wellness, we are located actually downtown in Chicago, and we do serve the Chicago area. Um, we're a group of psychotherapists that are really strongly devoted to anti-racist practices and beliefs and allies for the LGBTQ community. Um, We are safe haven for DACA. We advocate for BIPOC communities and we, um, we would just love to get to know you and to offer great psychological insight in a safe and warm space. That's amazing. Uh, for anybody that's in the Chicago area that is looking to connect with our friend Andrea here, I will have uh, all of the information about Gemstone Wellness in the notes section of this podcast. So you can reach out and be like, hey, I saw the podcast with you and Kai. Can we talk? And, yeah. and Andrea, who is a human, we confirmed today. <laughs> will uh you know her art and her amazing staff that are there will will you know talk more with you and, and help you out in any way that they can um uh, andrea thank you so much uh for your time and and your insight here this is legit i'm not gonna lie i'm not i'm not blowing smoke this is one of my favorite interviews <laughs> that I've, oh. done. I've been doing i've been doing this for three years right and i I've, i'm going on i'm getting close to 200 episodes um and i've had some really great conversations with a number of people this is up there this is definitely up there. Like, honestly, thank you so much uh, for shedding light on, on grief therapy and the uh, its transform, uh, transformative power of therapy. To our listeners, um, grief is a journey. Uh, it's okay to seek guidance along the way of that journey. So if today's conversation resonated with you, I urge you, uh, if you're not already, explore therapy, talk with a professional, uh, prioritize your mental well-being because that's, you know, the most important thing of your entire life. So thank you so much for listening. Thank you, Andrea, for being my guest today. Uh, Until next time, my friends, as always, much love, good vibes, and I'll talk to you later. Bye. Bye.